Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Scripture lesson for this message comes from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that had been cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the kingdom of our ancestor David! Hosanna in the highest! Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, He went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Holy and gracious God, for the word that you will offer us this morning, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing. That as we continue down this path, as we continue to engage with this sacrament, that we would be filled with your spirit seeing, knowing, and understanding the grace that you offer to each and every one of us as we travel down the road of Hosanna's. Fill us, fill us with the time of this season that we may put ourselves in Jerusalem and travel this holy road. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You know, uh, sometimes I wonder if it would change my perspective on things if I knew what was going to happen. Um, So this past Thursday, many of you might be aware, was opening day for Major League Baseball. Uh, And so it is a hallowed and sacred day. Um, Well, at least for me, Uh, I made sure to get my watching the Red Sox playing. Uh, They they didn't do so well. But anyways, um, it it often makes me think whenever this comes around of my childhood of, of cheering for baseball. And especially when I think about entering this holy week and we think about this matter of knowing what is about to come because friends spoiler alert we know what is going to happen this week right we've we've read it in scripture for many of us this is uh for many of us this even if it is our first easter we we know often how the story ends we see what's happening at the end of the week and spoiler alert friends jesus knows what happens 
And this always brings up this mind and status of me wondering if I knew what was going to happen. Right? I remember in 2004 cheering for the Red Sox and them being down three games to none uh, to the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And, and my mind wonders if, if I knew exactly what was going to happen in that moment, would I still have cheered as hard for the Red Sox? Would I have gotten as depressed? Sarah probably is very fortunate that we hadn't met yet during those four fateful days in October. If I had known exactly what was going to happen, would it have made it as meaningful when they finally beat the New York Yankees, when they swept the Cardinals in the World Series? Would it have made life as meaningful if I knew that UVA was going to win the 2019 basketball championship? Would I have cheered as hard if I had known that the year before they would have lost to a number 16 seed? Friends, I didn't even stay up for the game because I thought they were going to win. And then Sarah woke me up in the middle of the night and said they lost. And I was like, oh, no, they didn't. They couldn't have. Would I have tried as hard in school if I had known that eventually I would have graduated, I would have gotten my degrees? Would it have made me try harder? Would I have tried as hard at many other things? Would my perspective have changed if I knew exactly what was going to happen in my life? And so... As we approach this Holy Week, we know exactly what is going to happen. And yet we have the example from Jesus Christ of what it looks like to move into a Holy Week of discernment with the knowledge and foresight of the events that are about to take place. Friends, I can sit here and I can pretend like that Easter is not coming. Like I know many pastors often try and do, but, but... But Easter is coming, friends. Easter will be here next Sunday. And we will joyously get to shout and celebrate. However, we have some things to go through before them. We have to have that final meal with Jesus' disciples. We have to see and witness Jesus dying on the cross. We have to live in the agony of the tomb that is filled. And yet it should not change our understanding of how we approach this week. Because more so, it fills us with an understanding of knowing and seeing the true gift of what is about to happen. The true understanding of what lays ahead of us. Because it is in this time that we know that Jesus is going to march into Jerusalem. Jesus will curse a fig tree. Jesus will overturn the tables in the temple Jesus will have a final meal with his disciples. Jesus will be arrested, tried, and executed at the hands of the government. Friends, the story may seem familiar to us, and yet we approach it with new eyes and new ears every year because we recognize what the story is about. We recognize what is about to take place. And in sitting and witnessing in this time of Palm Sunday, we can see the way that Jesus participates in the events of Holy Week. And this gift that is offered in the mere act of marching into Jerusalem, sitting on the back of a colt, to cries of Hosanna, to a road littered with robes and palms, to the shouts of children and families, exemplifying Jesus' ministry to all who are involved. Because we see that throughout Jesus' ministry, he continues to give. 
to have this giving spirit even to the very end. And the knowledge that we take from this gift offered by God through Christ is the nature not in which we give, not in which any nature in which we give or even take, but the nature in which we receive. That we become humble disciples in this endeavor as well. Right? Jesus marches into Jerusalem. And we as Christians look and we see this ultimate act of love. This ultimate act of humility, of surrender, of offering of himself to society. To show us truly what it means. Yes, 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 it is to fulfill a prophecy that is, that is written in the, in, the Hebrew, in the Hebrew scriptures in our Old Testament. And yet, as we begin to treat it as this triumphant act of march into Jerusalem... It almost feels like this act of protest that I will not allow the fear that you try and instill in the hearts of me and my disciples to stop me from showing you how much I love you. Jesus does not allow the fear and the anxiety to overcome him to say, I will not go. But Jesus allows the nature of the spirit that exists within him to lead him into Jerusalem and to continue to give, to continue to show. And we continue to work and we continue to see within Jesus. That that ride into Jerusalem, changing the course of history, setting into motion this great awakening of the spirit that exists within our churches. And bringing into context these two understandings of what it means to live and exist here on earth and in God's kingdom. Because we look at this nature and we see the ways in which we give and the ways in which we receive. And as I reflect as a pastor and and a theologian myself, I see this nature of giving attached to the nature of God. Why? Because it is through God that we are given, that we are offered, that we receive the love. And so therefore, it is the nature of humanity to receive because, friends, if we don't receive, then how can we ever fully give to others? And so as we come into this last week of Lent and as we move into our Easter message next week and we look this week at what it means to receive and next week as what it means to give, we rest and reside in this understanding that if we ever think, if we ever want to truly embody the nature of Jesus Christ in our lives, if we ever want to live and fulfill this promise of the kingdom that God offers, if we ever want to truly exist in the manner of God's grace, then first we must receive And so the question that I'm sure you are all asking right now is, Pastor, that's all well and great, but what does it mean to receive? And here we see two manners of receiving in this scripture today as we unpack it. The first is the manner in which the disciples receive. And it's highlighted in our passage today by the opening sort of context there that says, when they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and I will and we'll send it back immediately. You know, there's sometimes that maybe I wish I could pull that card, but. We'll let that one go for a little bit. 
Because here's the cool thing about this part of the passage. Because what is Jesus doing here? Jesus is offering instructions to his disciples. Right? It's a task that he offers to them. And, and it's something that Jesus does on a regular basis throughout his ministry. Jesus offers instruction and teaching to his disciples so that they understand what they are supposed to do. And so what is the first nature in which we receive from Christ? Is we receive the teachings. Right? We open our scripture and we hear of who God is. We hear of the love of God that is offered upon each and every one of us. We hear and see the calling of God throughout the ages. And we experience and identify the nature of our own personal connection to God through those teachings. What is first received are the teachings of Christ. Receiving those teachings through, through our own ministry. Christ offers us the gift of knowing exactly who God is, of being able to see a face of God, of being able to witness and experience and put ourselves in the story of all that is creation. And then the other side of it, one in which we've already discussed in this series, is the mere presence of Christ within the story of Scripture and within the story of our own lives. You see, not only does Christ stop with the instructions to his disciples, but then, of course, because we are trying to fulfill prophecies in the same scenario, Christ then mounts the cult and marches the cult into Jerusalem, offering his presence in this holy city to all of these people. The shouts of Hosanna, the, the families that are, uh, ushering, that are uh, welcoming in the gift of Jesus. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven, right? We are shown the manner in which receiving is how we live into that presence of Jesus. How we welcome Jesus into our lives and how we receive the mere presence of Jesus. And we talked about it in the nature of the table that we dine with Christ. We dine with God. We dine with that great cloud of witnesses. That word with becoming such an important and vital part of our theology here in the church. And it is that presence that is the gift that is received in the course of our faith, in the course of our acts of ritual, and most especially in the course of our participation in the sacraments of the church. And I'd love to think that when we get to Friday and people are shouting crucify him, that they are different people. And yet I don't know that I'm bold enough as a theologian to try and read that into the text. Because even the most well-intentioned reception of gifts can still be filled with hesitation as we receive them. And yet Jesus offers them anyways. Again, Knowing what lays ahead of him, Jesus goes into Jerusalem, not just to die, not just to surrender himself, but to continue to offer his ministry and spirit to those who are in, who are in his path, to those that he encounters, 
to try and teach and help them understand the nature of Christ that is given to each and every one of us. All that Christ has planned for us to receive. All that God has already offered us that we may acknowledge, know, and understand God's grace in each and every moment. And so what does it mean to receive? It means that we ourselves are present. It means that we are open to the love of Christ that comes before us. It means that as we come to the table, we come with a heart that is willing to be filled by Christ. It means that when we come to the table, we come ready, knowing what is happening within each and every one of us. And it's not just in these final moments, but it is over and over and over again that Christ gives of himself, Christ gives of his spirit to each and every one of us that we may know and understand the true gift of God. And as the events of this week unfold, we need not be surprised, but we need to participate. Because it's in our participation that we recognize and continue to live into this understanding. Right as we began this journey back on Ash Wednesday, we were reminded of our human nature, the ash placed on our forehead representing the ash and the dust of the earth, that which we came from and that which we will return to. We were reminded that, friends, we are not worthy. And yet, there's a God, there's a creator who has loved us enough to say, I will make you worthy. By my love alone, you are worthy of everything. By the spirit and breath that I offer to you in your birth, you are worthy by seeing and witnessing the miraculous gifts, you are worthy by receiving. You are worthy. We consider these stories and we consider the ways in which God works within each and every one of us as we come to the table. That's why when you come to the table, I invite you to come with your your hands outstretched, ready to receive. That's That's why I place the bread in your hands. The one who has been called and set apart by God coming and offering the bread to you. And even if it's not me, the one in our community who is coming and offering God to each and every one of us, therefore we are receiving the gifts that God offers to us. This meal is not just a remembrance, but this meal is so much more. It's an opportunity to dine with Christ and to receive everything. And it's in our language, it's in our mannerisms, it's in the way we interact with the meal that continue to help us understand this nature. And so when we come forward, we receive, open and willing for God to work within each and every one of us. Knowing and acknowledging that when we gather, when God is present, when we worship, when we practice the sacraments, when we fellowship together that the presence of God is with us and filling each and every one of us. And so we come with our hands and hearts stretched out, ready to receive. Amen.